Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Guys, I'm sitting in the back and I'm looking at this band. I'm looking at y'all worship and I'm like, you know, I I don't have a problem with being around old people. I really don't. And I know some of y'all say, because you old. Okay, you better not be in my Bible class talking that trash. But I'm telling you something. When, when you over 40, you over 50 and say, and get around you guys, man, you can't help but just get jacked up because of the anointing and the excitement that you guys generate. Man, I like this place. I'm being honest with you. I just absolutely love this place because of the spirit that I see here. So I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to get right in. We're going to dig, but we're going to dig quickly because there's some things we need to talk about. See, a lot of young people, a lot of people are struggling trying to figure out how to, how to do life, how to live life. Most people think that you live when you have, you know, gotten to the point where you got enough money to just jump on a jet, your own jet, and go where you want to go. Most people think that's living. Most people think living is the type of house you get or the car or the amount of money you have, you know, where you're able to purchase whatever you need or wear the certain clothes you want to wear or certain popularity and fame. They think that's living. The struggle is this. Humanity has been so long away from its natural environment that it has forgotten what it means to be in that natural environment. It would be like catching a fish, pulling out of water, dropping it into an ice chest and just let it sit in there. It's going to eventually die because it's out of its natural element, its natural environment. Man's natural environment is the presence of God. When God created all of humanity, he put eternity stamp DNA inside of our heart. And because we fell from God and rebel against God, There's been this longing for something greater than what earth has been able to give us. And so we do foolish things trying to satisfy this deep divine longing to get home. You see people doing all kinds of crazy things and shooting people and just shooting drugs. And because they realize there is something more to my existence. There's some of you sitting right here. To some degree, you worship, but you know there's something more to your existence. That's why you keep showing up. That's why you keep worshiping. That's why when you get frustrated, you don't quit. Because something inside of you is telling you, don't stop, you're almost home. And something inside of you is telling you, this is not it. Earth is not it. All of its trappings, it's not it. That's why so many young people do crazy things. So how do we live life? Tonight I want to just quickly talk about the heart of God. If we don't understand the heart of God, how can we know whether or not we're pleasing him? If we don't know God's heart. You know, that first year, Nadine and I were just, you know, talking and whatever, and she just not, she wasn't feeling me. She wasn't. She wasn't into me like I was into her. And I, I can, guys, you know what I'm saying? Anybody, you got feel that? Yeah, you, no, you know what I mean? And I kept saying, God, why is it that I'm so into her and she ain't feeling me? 
She'll just walk past, hey, and keep going like, hey, that's for horses. And finally, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, Freddie, the reason why you can't have our heart is because I don't have it. I said, well, can you quickly get it so the brother can get it? There is a struggle in the body of Christ because we're trying to create and invent new ways to try to please God. And sometimes if we don't get in the biblical aspect, in the we're going to think that we can please God with all this external stuff. And you wonder why you're still left empty. So tonight I want to talk about the heart of God. If we're going to live for God, let's take a peek at his heart. What is his heart? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is that one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Somebody say promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Somebody say long-suffering. Now watch this. Watch this. This scripture is getting ready to reveal, reveal what's in the heart of God. But he is long-suffering, means he, 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 he stays with us when we're doing stupid stuff. Why did God be pursuing us? Here it is. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. A lot of us give up on stupid friends when they do stupid things, especially when they hurt us doing stupid things. You know what? I'm out. Drop the mic. I ain't gonna drop, the mic. drop the mic. I'm out. I'm so sick of you. I'm done. That's what we do. You know why we do that? Because something inside of us saying, the way you treat me, I don't accept that. Because something in me is telling me, you shouldn't treat me like that. Can I tell you what that is? That is the DNA of God who when Jesus died on the cross, he was willing to die because his death declared your value. And so when people mistreat you, something inside of you goes, you don't supposed to be treating me like that. And you may not know why, but I'm here to reveal to you because God said, I love you. And his son died and it reveals the value of who you are and the value of your existence. So God's heart is that he don't want anybody to, 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 to perish. And he said, I want everybody to come to repentance. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Watch this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior, who will have all men. Here, here it is again. What is, the, what is in the heart of God? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who will have all men to what? All men to be what? To be saved. And none, and, and come to the knowledge of what? Come to the knowledge of a truth? Huh? Come to the knowledge of the truth. It is never in God's heart for anyone to perish. So what do we reveal? John 3, 16 and 17 reveals this incredible truth. Watch this. Whatever you're willing to sacrifice to get, whatever you're willing to give up to get, reveals the value of the thing you're trying to attain. Whatever you're trying, whatever you're willing to do to give up, to sacrifice, to, a, to get the thing, reveals in your eyes why that thing is valued. John 3.16 tells us this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave up something to get something precious. 
He gave up something precious to get something precious. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. He gave up something precious to get something precious back. And that thing is you. It's us. It's you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his, here's his heart. God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Young people, listen to me. Sometimes you spend way too much time, energy, and effort on people's opinion who really don't matter. Okay, I'll go to the next spot. I got one or two amens. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. What's in the heart of God? Somebody say heart of God. See, see, I, I know the girls, the girl says, you know what? He told me he loved me. He just like, ah. Oh. He said he loved my heart. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. But watch this. This may shake you up a little bit, but just stay with me. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7 and 19. Look, I am about to cover the earth. Now, God is speaking in the beginning. He's speaking to Noah. Watch this. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. <gasps> Why did you stick that scripture? I thought God loved the world. Wait, hang on, hang on. I'm about to destroy every living thing that breathes. So at that point, both people go, he ain't gonna destroy me, I ain't breathing. <laughs> Everything on the earth will die. Somebody say die. die. But watch this, watch this. But I love it when God stick his butt in there. Cause God's got a big butt. He does, because he's a big God. See, I love it when the scripture says, and it came to pass when they said this, but God. And we were on our way to hell, but God. I love God's butts. Keep it holy. But, somebody say but. Watch this. He just told Noah that condom, he's going to destroy everything. And you're so glad that when God says, but, look at it the other side of the but. He says, but I will conform, confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and your wife and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal and male and female into the boat that with you to keep. Them alive during the flood. God just revealed to this man that he's getting ready to wipe out all of eternity. All, all humanity. But he says, but not you. Now, someone would ask you like, whoa, what was it about this man that would make God, would put this man on the butt side of God? Can I reveal to you why God spared him? I want you to see God's heart. Watch this. Genesis chapter 6 verse 9. Here it is. This is the account of Noah and his family. He says, let me give you why God put him behind the butt. Why God says, I'm going to spare you. And I'm going to destroy everything else. There was something that separated this man from everybody else in the world. 
There's something that separates you young people from all the young people in your, in your school. There is something. You know why you're different? Because God sealed you with his blood and put you on the other side of his butt. Satan may be trying to kill you. God looks at him and says, but you have any other ones, but not that one. You can touch that one, but not that one. Aren't you glad you're on the other side of God's butt? See, I got a feeling y'all going to go home and say, Mom, I'm on the other side of God's butt. Watch this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a what kind of man? He was what kind of man? This was not Noah said of himself. This is what God said of him. He says, if I'm going to write the book, if I'm going to tell the story, let me highlight your boy. Let me tell you what he was like. This man had it going on spiritually. He had a, his relationship with God was in check. It was on point and it was on point and it was right where it needed to be. He said, this man was a righteous man. Not only was he righteous. What do you mean righteous? This man was a blameless person living on earth at the time. Now watch this. I love this. Ready? Read the last part. And he what? Come on. I, I, some of y'all read that. I want everybody to read it. And he what? This man wasn't blameless because he didn't sin. The reason why he didn't sin was because of his relationship with God. I'm telling you, when you have a sincere relationship with God, when you live your life for the heart of God, I'm telling you, sin no longer becomes an issue. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. All of your struggles seems to fade away from you because you have this incredible relationship with God. And the only thing that matters is you and him. And when temptation comes, you're like, not so. Why can't it touch you? Because I'm on the other side of God's butt. Wow. Now, this is a young man I'm going to bring to the forefront, and I'm going to run through this because you need to hear. I love King David. I'm going to tell you why I love King David. Because King David speaks volumes to your generation. When, he, when the bear and the lion attacked, uh, uh, he tried to grab his sheep, he was a youth, a teenager. When he faced the greatest challenge of his life in Goliath, he was a young person. When he was called into the kingdom with King Saul, he was a young person. That young man did some incredible things. When God anointed him to be the next king of Israel, he was in his youth. Turn to the neighbor next to you and said, he's talking about us, y'all. Now watch this. I, I titled this subtitle, King David, A Man's After God's Heart. Now I know what you're thinking. Coach, I read about some of the scandalous things this dude did. And you mean to tell me this dude is after the heart of God? This is not what David said. This is what God said. So there must have been something else other than what God, what we're looking at, what God was watching. Something must have been different. God must have been looking. Not that he overlooked sin, but there was something he was seeing that we may have missed. Because most of us would call David scandalous for the stuff that he did. Would y'all agree? He was scandalous in our book. Watch this. And he got, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, God does not wink at our sin. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 and 14 says, How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. Have you not kept the command? Now this is for those who are the text. God told, the prophet Samuel told King Saul to go king, kill King Agag and everything, and he didn't. 
kept the king alive, brought the, the cattle because he wanted to worship. He disobeyed God. So Samuel shows up. And he said, how foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, that he gave you. Had you kept it? Watch this. Had you did what God told you to do, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Had you did what he told you to do, your kingdom would have been without end. But now, here's that butt again. But I'm going to tell you something. He's on the wrong side of the butt. Watch this. But now, your kingdom must end. Wow. For the Lord has sought out a man. A man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord. I wonder how many of us will forfeit what God has laid out for you because you refuse to do what he's calling for you to do because you feel it's just way too much pressure on you around your friends. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling you tonight, your friends are not worth you being on the wrong side of God's butt. Because the minute you make your friends bigger than God and the call of God on your life, you will begin to forfeit what God has planned from you from the day of your birth. So you cannot allow your friends to dictate to you your relationship with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when you get close to God, they can't help but allow God to get up in your Kool-Aid, mix the flavor and win your friends because of you. Acts chapter 13, verse 20, 22 said, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person on the earth at the time, and he walked close in relationship with God. That is powerful. What testimony does God say about you? Now, what I want to do right now, I want to just pause for a second and now shift gears. God, I see your heart is that you don't want no one to perish. You're willing to go to any length and go to any stake to win us to you. But how do we, how do we have a heart after you, God? How do, we, how do we get this heart? Four things. Here it is. Number one, to have a heart after God, you and I must be willing to be converted. Somebody say converted. Somebody say converted. Now, I want you to understand, this is what God said about David. I've chosen David. When you fail, Saul, I chose David. And I've seen David. There is something in David that I connect with. And he's a man after my own heart. David understood something about God, and God understood something about David. But I want, you to, I want to show you something. But it, it wasn't like that in the beginning for David. How do we know? Look at Psalms 25, 7. It says this. David says this. Do not hold against me the sins of my what? Of my youth or my rebellious acts. David says, man, I, when I was young, you know, young, I was doing some crazy stuff. Now, he's writing this as he's much older, but I just want you to understand that God has the power not to overlook, but to look beyond where you are because he knows he has the power to change you from here to there. Where you are right now doesn't frighten God. Some of you in here have been angry at God from time to time. You've told God, I quit. I ain't going back to Elevate. I'm sick of Elevate. I'm tired of them people. I ain't going back. Now, God, what you think about it? And he just sit there and look. 
He said, I'm going to snatch you on the other side of my butt. <laughs> and we think our anger moves God. Let me tell you something. The reason why God is long-suffering, because he, he has the high position, and he can see where you're going to end when he's through with you. So cry, shout, get angry, shake your fist at God, stomp your feet, wave your hand in the air, wave it like you just don't care. God says, do all of that. But you're still going to do what I told you to do. To have a heart after God, we must be willing to be converted. Psalms 51, 17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Listen, the sacrifice God requires is a broken spirit. What is a broken spirit? I'm glad you asked that question. I love this place. A broken spirit is when you have come to the end of yourself. You go, you get so sick and tired of trying to manipulate people, so sick and tired of people lying to you, so sick and tired of you lying to yourself, telling you you okay, just faking it in, in worship, just faking it, faking it, faking it. And all of a sudden you look in the mirror and say, I'm so sick and tired of what I am. God, if you want to do something with me, I give you the right to do it now because I'm sick of playing games. God, I'm tired of fronting with my friends, acting like I'm all that. And in your presence, I feel Lord and snake belly. So today, God, I am broken. I am torn on the inside. So if you can do something with this brokenness, I, I stretch my hands out and say, God, I give it to you because I'm tired. I can't do nothing with it. And the Bible tells us, thank God, the sacrifice, God, you desire is a broken spirit. Watch this, and you will not reject a broken and repented heart. He says, I will not reject a broken spirit and a repented heart. Romans 3, 9 through 12 says, well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, are under the same power of sin. As the scriptures say, and my kids know this in Romans 3, no one is righteous. Oh, they got it. No one is wise. No one seeks God. All have turned. All have become useless. No one is good. Not one single person. Wow. So if we're going to have a heart of God, what do we need? We need to be repentant. We need to fall on our face. And say, God, I'm tired of playing games with you. The games stop here. I'm for real. I'm a for real brother. I'm a for real sister. Ain't no more faking. Ain't no more shaking. Ain't no more trying to act like I'm holy. Ain't no more. While I'm looking holy, when around my friends at the lighthouse or elevate, I'm tipping and slipping and doing some crazy stuff. I know I ain't supposed to be doing hanging out with the wrong kinds of people. You can fool yourself and people, but you can't never fool God. I'm trying to get you after the heart of God in here. And who cares what they think about you? Because when you die, they won't be there. All that matters is God. You want to hear God say, well done, that good and faithful servant. You live your life well for me here. Now come hang out with me forever. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> Number two, how do we get a heart after God? We must be filled with his spirit. Somebody say be filled with the spirit. First Samuel 6.13 says, as David stood among his brothers... Because 
The Lord sent Samuel down to Jesse's house. As soon as Saul was rejected, he said, Saul, go down to Bethlehem. King Samuel, go down to Bethlehem. Prophet Samuel, go down to Bethlehem. Go down to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. Say, so y'all ain't getting it. Go to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. I don't think y'all get it. Go to Bethlehem. What do we know about Bethlehem? Ah, y'all didn't hear me. He says, I want you to go to Bethlehem because there's another king that's going to be in Bethlehem. Why go to Bethlehem? Because I'm raising up one king who will be connected with another king who will later be in Bethlehem. Don't tell me your birth don't matter. Some people may have been born in Tech B. That's good. You may have been born in Berg. That's good. Montague. Good. Brazil. <laughs> Brazil. And when he went down there, he began to, you know, send all the boys. He said, he told uh, uh, Jesse, send all your sons out, the next king coming from your house. And he brought every boy that looked like a king. So he said this. So as David stood there among his brothers, he said, surely that must be another boy because I didn't know all of them and all won't come out. He said, yeah, that's one that's just, ah. He's out there with the sheep. David came to the place when they called him, and he wasn't even ready for what was coming. That boy was smelly. He was sweaty. He was thinking. I'm going to tell you now, there's sometimes when God will summon you, and you won't smell good, spiritually speaking. That's why your smell don't frighten him when he's ready to pour his anointing on you. As a matter, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the more messed up and tore up you are, the greater the anointing on your life. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because we realize that our lives are so messed up. If God does anything for us, he gets glory for it. Because you know you weren't worthy to receive the blessing that you received. Watch this. So David stood among his brothers. And Samuel took the first the flask of oil. And had brought it and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. David, from that on, from that point on, from that day on, then Samuel returned back to Ramah. David, from that on, the anointing was poured upon him. The anointing at this time was not resonating inside of him like today. The anointing don't rest upon us. The, the anointing rests in us. So there were times in the Old Testament when the anointing came on, it could be lifted up and off. How do we know that? Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Why is that? You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living where? Somebody say in me. And remember, those who do not have the spirit of Christ living where? In them do not belong to him at all. So David had the anointing resting upon him, but we have a greater covenant because the, the, the anointing is living where? Inside of us. Colossians chapter 1, 11 and 12 says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all of the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. To be a man or a woman after God's heart, we must be truly converted and we must walk daily in dependence on the Holy Spirit. Guys, we don't know. We can't even go to the corner grocery without God. And how so many people try to live this life without him. The third thing, we come into the close. What was it about David that made God choose him over his brothers? Because God looked so much deeper 
than what your friends see. Your friends see all this external stuff. God says, uh-uh, I ain't looking at that. Because sometimes we look impressive, but we're not. God says, I want to look at your heart. Your heart going to tell me what I need to do in you and through you. Number three, to have a heart after God, we must spend time alone with God. First Samuel says this in 16, 8, and 11. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shema. And Samuel says, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, the prophet. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Why do you keep bringing these jacked up boys in front of me? These boys, your sons are jacked up. God then rejected these boys. They look good to you, but they don't look good to God. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, the prophet asked, are these all your sons? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is where? Out in the field, watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until this boy arrives. And this boy wasn't even ready for what was coming. If we want to be a man and woman of God after God's heart, we must be willing to spend consistent time alone with him. Some people just can't stand being alone. But it is in that lonely place you hear God the loudest. It is in that lonely place where you get real with yourself. Sometimes God will pull your friends away from you and you're trying to figure out why have all your friends left you? Can I tell you what's going on? It ain't that you did, you forgot to shower, that your deodorant wore off. Can I tell you what's going on? God says, I got a work for you to do, young people, and your friends is getting your attention and I can't get you. So I'm going to pull them away from you so the only person you're going to hear is me. Sometimes your friends are the distraction to God and where he wants to put you. So for a season, God's going to have all your friends walk away from you. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. So if you want to be a, good, a heart after God, we've got to be consistent in our time alone. Let me make four practical suggestions, and I'm going to ask Pastor Dom to come. Number one, if we're going to spend that quality time with him, here's what we need to do. Number one, we need to learn to read. Read prayerfully. Asking God to reveal himself and to show you your open heart, your own heart, with a view to obedience. We must read prayerfully, asking God to reveal himself and to show you your own heart with a view to obey. Lord, I'm spending time with you because I need you to show me what's on the inside. The second thing we need to do if we're going to spend that quality time with him, we need to learn to pray. Use alone time to commune with God. David was on the backside of the field by himself. And it was in that, in that lonely time he wrote some of the greatest songs ever of worship. It was in that time that he looked up to the stars and he saw the heavens and he began to declare, God, you are great. It was in that season of loneliness that he became prepared to be the king of Israel. I'm telling you, when people start pulling away, get ready for the promotion because now God says, I've got your attention. I can talk to you now. Now I'm getting ready to bring you where you need to be. 
Number three, if we're going to be people who will spend time with God, we need to learn to read and ask God to open up our heart through his word. We need to learn to pray and commune with God so we can be real with him and he can be real with us. And then here it is. We need to learn to worship. Our public worship on Sundays should be an overflow of what we do in our private life. The reason why so many people struggle with worshiping God is because they don't worship God in their private lives. Those who worship God in their private lives, you strike the first chord. Now all I can tell, hands up, spinning, all in the corner, crying, snot everywhere. Because that's what they do. Come on, somebody. If we're going to have a heart for God, we must be willing to obey him in small things. Somebody say small things. Guys, listen to me. The little things to God are really not the little things. To David's brothers, they thought keeping the sheep was just a menial thing. You can go ahead and play, Miko. They thought keeping the sheep was just beneath them. They looked at him like, man, you are, you are just rubbish. I don't even know if they use the word rubbish in, 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 with Jews. But you're just rubbish. Look at you. You're a sheep herder. You're a goat herder. And God took, looked at that boy and he was so excited because the little things were not little to David. David was faithful with a few things and he became a ruler over many. They may not know your name right now, guys. No one has ever came to interview you. Baby girl, you on the stage, you singing your heart out. No one knows who you are, but down here, who knows? What stage God is preparing if you stay faithful? There's a guy by the name of Michael Carlos. I don't know if y'all know him. Not dad. I watched this kid and I love this family. But I saw a season of his life, little Michael, battling with Crohn's disease. Am I right? And could never eat, losing weight, loved soccer but couldn't play. I saw him battle day in and day out. And there were times I believed that Michael got discouraged. But the one thing Michael never did, Michael never gave up on his worship. Now, Michael never blamed God. God, why did you allow me to get this disease? I ain't worshiping you no more. I quit. Dad, you can have it. Here's your guitar. Here's your drums. I'm out because I'm mad at God. But no, here's what I saw. I saw a young man that worshiped God through his pain. I saw a young man who was willing to, for the glory of God, deal with the sufferings of this life. But he never lost his worship. And right now, he's on one of the biggest stages in the country worshiping God. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? It is in the backside of your desert. It is in your misery. It is in your pain where God starts to prepare you for your big stages. It is in your brokenness when the enemy is telling you to commit suicide because living don't make sense. It is in that place that God says, you've been tested and you didn't walk away from me. The enemy tried to silence your worship, but you wouldn't keep your mouth shut. You say, God, I may not understand what's going on with me. Why my family is so broken. Daddy done flipped out. Mama done lost her mind. And the dog done ate the cat. 
Your family is toe up from the floor. But I'm telling you right now, when you see that start to happen, God has put his signature on you and he's getting ready to elevate you to a place you never thought you'd ever be. And we get the privilege of seeing Michael Carlos on one of the biggest stages of worship in his life. So I'm telling you, young people, as I close, where's Pastor Dom at? Come on up here. I'm telling you tonight, I don't know where you are with your walk with Jesus Christ. I don't know what struggles are you, you're having at your school. I don't know what's going on in your family. I really don't need to know. But here's what I do know. I know a God who does know. I know a God who knows your heart. And just, 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 just maybe, I don't know, Pastor, the, the, Dom, I, 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 I want to really believe the reason why. And some of y'all said, Lord Jesus, why in the world you let me be born in this family? Can I tell you why? Because he's raising up another David. He's raising up some more Davids. Your family may look at you and think you're nothing. Teachers may treat you like you're nothing. Friends treat you, but I'm telling you now, your friends, your teachers, your family don't have the final word over your life. God does. And when God puts you on the right side of his butt, he will put you center stage. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Freddie. Turn to the Lord in prayer. All cups on the ground, please. That was an embarrassing distraction. Find everybody's attention over here, too. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you will have your way tonight. Jesus. Lord, let us crave to be in your presence. for every man or woman that carves out the time to be alone, to be quiet, and to find that special place with just them and you, I pray that you will show up. Your word promises it. We're holding you to your word that you gave us. And Lord, I pray that you do something powerful and mighty in this generation. Lord, that it's only begun. Thank you, Lord, that you have broken curses and words spoken every, over every man and woman in here. Lord, because of what you did at the cross. If there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, that doesn't call you Lord, that hasn't surrendered their lives, that doesn't know your heart, make a way where there seems to be no way. Let them find hope. Let them find you. I pray that they will reach out to a leader, They'll reach out to a parent, to a pastor, and they'll say, how? What do I do now? Jesus, come into this place. Let your Holy Spirit be thick. Prick hearts and open minds. Poke your finger into the soil of our hearts and plant seeds that will never be ripped up, dried out, or stolen. Lord, let us know your heart. Thank you, Lord, for Elevate. Let our relationship with you not be based on Wednesday nights, 
Let it be based on a daily walk with our Savior, our God, our Dad, our King, our best friend. Holy Spirit, take these men and women and change the world with them. In Jesus' name, amen.